It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is CEO Brent Aaronworth. Brent has been in the produce industry for 20 years with a strong focus on sales and purchasing. He's grown through many roles at his family's produce firm, Brothers Produce. Starting in the warehouse as a child, he is currently CEO. Brent helped Brothers Produce grow from about $12 million a year in sales in 1999 to over $300 million a year today. Brent attended the University of Houston in the hotel restaurant management program. Brent, welcome into the corner office. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to come on the show. <laughs> it's great to have you here. And we always kind of like to start with your early years. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that, you know, where you grew up and maybe some of the influences, your parents, brothers and sisters. So I, I grew up um, in the city of Houston. Uh, biggest influencer of my life was probably my father, who I watched uh, with his brother grow this company um, from basically two vans when I was a child to, you know, where it is today, but I would go to work with him. There was no more excitement in my life than getting up early and going to work with my dad, maybe <laughs> sleep, sleeping in his office about 10 o'clock in the morning after those early days. And I've actually continued with that and bringing my kids to the office and letting them experience that. But I, I grew up in this business. I mean, I, I remember some of my earliest memories were, you know, being woken up at three, four o'clock in the morning on, on days that my friends, you know, would get to sleep in and because I wanted to go to work with him and it'd be a part of that and see what he did and spend that time with him. That's awesome. So, so dad and your uncle got things started. What year was that? In 19, so I'm going to take it kind of farther back than that. Mm -hmm. My, my grandfather was a Holocaust survivor that oh. came over to this country through, through Ellis Island uh, was put into Houston. He didn't really know any English, was basically given bananas and walking up and down uh, what we would call Main Street, which was the produce area in Houston yeah. at the time and was selling stocks of bananas and people would start having him, you know, asking him for other things. And basically that introduced my family into produce. But it, that what, but it wasn't until later on... Um, Around 1979, 1980, my father and uh, his brothers created um, their own produce company that was basically just a couple of routes that, yeah, that, gener that generated, uh, 
And and they they had no warehouse. They would basically buy everything for what they needed that day and sold it and count their money at the end of the day and call it a day and had no inventory. Well, the old fashioned way. The old fashioned way. And he I probably claims and, and he probably claims that to this day he made more money doing it back then than he does now. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's probably true. And do you have brothers and sisters? Were they also involved in the business? I um I have a sister who deals with HR. She's uh in the HR side, which is a side that I have no interest to be a part of or even get involved in with how complicated HR has become today, HR, food safety, insurance, you know, Department of Transportation, it's all areas that are not my forte. That's why I surround myself with good people that can do that. And uh, when you got started, uh, you know, it sounds like it was pretty early on, right? Uh, sleeping in dad's office and getting up early on. It sounds like you went out and did the routes. Um, as you got a little bit older, what other kinds of jobs did you do growing up in the business? Well, basically, so I, you know, I graduated, you know, that was as a child. So in, I guess I'll kind of go to my age now. In, in 1998, I graduated high school, which is right about 20 years ago. I just had my 20-year reunion actually last uh, two weeks ago. I um, started over there full time as a um, as a driver. Um, I'd always worked in the warehouse, kind of through high school, just a couple couple days a week. I mean, aside from the times when I was sleeping in my dad's office, I may I may have I may have actually in high school slept on top of a few uh, a few you know pallets of onions in the coolers whenever I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> but, I love it. Were you were you a good were you a good student in high school? I, uh, yeah, I was always a B student. I'm, you know, and it's one thing I always told people I had more, I was always more of a street smart person than a book smart person. I'm more of a learn on the fly person, but so, you know, going back, so I started as a driver at uh, 18, which actually the thing today is I actually wouldn't be able to drive those trucks at 18 because the laws have all changed. You have to be older than that. But, uh, I went from there and I, moved into customer service. Then I moved into accounting. Then I moved into sales, went into purchasing. And this is all, you know, over five, seven year transgression. Um, from purchasing, from purchasing, I moved into also a role as vice president and then went into a president role for a while, pulled back some into a, what I called myself as a chief innovation officer, because I wanted to really figure out how to are we a produce company? You know, I always felt the best companies in the world that fail, they don't fail because they didn't do things right. They actually failed because they didn't evolve and innovate and migrate. So I really wanted to, as we kept growing so fast and rapidly, I wanted to figure out what are we, where are we going and where are we going to be three years from now? And then recently I've stepped into that, that CEO role now that I know our vision and I know where we want to be. I've always kind of thought of myself as more of a visionary and not really an operator. I just believe if I surround myself with good people that, you know, you're only as good as your offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's rewind a little bit. I kind of want to go back to some of those earlier years. So sounds like a lot of time was spent, obviously, you know, working at Brothers and growing up. But anything else outside of class? Are you involved in sports, you know, music, theater, any other kind of outside entrepreneurial opportunities? What, what were some of the other things that kept you busy during those earlier years? You know, and I, I'm only five foot seven. So when everybody started getting taller than me, I guess when I was about 12, <laughs> wasn't an option. 12 yeah, baseball, everybody's taller. And, you know, if my parents weren't, you know, doing the politics and paying for the dirt at the fields and whatnot, um, I got, I started playing golf. Um, golf, oh, golf, really? golf became my sport. I knew golf was a sport that 
You know, it didn't matter who. It, it's one-on-one sport. If you go out and you took care of the other person, you weren't going to get denied from the team. So I played four years of varsity golf. I made varsity as a freshman. Um, awesome. Golf was a great sport that, you know, I was able the, – the team sports were great to learn about teams, but golf is a focused sport, and golf's also a good business sport. I mean, I still – I, I tried. Yeah. What's some of the lessons you learned from playing golf in high school? You know, the one thing that, that I always liked about learning is, you know, that it's the same, but that applies to business. It's not how good your good shots are. It's, you know, how, how good are the bad shots? You know, how, when we make a bad decision, how, how far does that just, how far did that put us off the course of where we needed to get to? So if I yanked the ball left, how do I manage to get back and make that par, you know, cause we're not always going to make every, the best decisions. Not everything's a hole in one, right? <laughs> no, not every, exactly. Yeah. We can't birdie every hole. And sometimes, sometimes you got to play for the bogey, you know, I mean, we're going to lose money on some decisions we make, you know, and it's just, like I said, it's not how good your good shots are. It's how bad, you know, how good are the misses to what they don't knock us offline and cut the whole company off track. And that's, that's what I really took away from golf. Yeah, those are good lessons. Uh, go back a little bit again to your parents' influence, dad and, and your uncle, obviously, uh, you know, key players and, you know, kind of developing your business acumen. What, what were some of the early lessons that, that that your dad and your uncle maybe taught you or that you remember learning at an early age? You know, I remember learning from them just, um, I, I watched how much fun they had on the job and how, how important it was to laugh and 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 have a good time at what you were doing, and I've really tried to spill. I, I tried to spill that culture, you know, into the team that I hire today. Because if you're not, we spend half of our time of our life, you know, we're, we're working. And if you're not having fun, or it doesn't matter how much money you're making, if you're not having fun doing it, or you're miserable being there, what what good of life is that for you? And I watched how much fun they have, and you know, the passion and the enjoyment they had to to go there and be at work. That's a great lesson. You know, just the the relationships that they had and how much people enjoyed being around them. It was, you know, a contagious personalities that they had that I learned how valuable that was to grow in the business. You know, that's interesting. My dad and brother had a side business together. My dad was a principal PhD. His brother was a lifeguard, but they owned and operated a number of residential properties in California. And, you know, I always have memories now that you say that of them laughing together and having coffee and really enjoying their, you know, the company. They were the best of friends. No, no, that's, that's the thing, you know, and me and, um, you know, me, me and my dad, I, you know, I, I can say that I've gotten to spend a lot of time, you know, with him, time that I'll never forget, but we definitely have, there's definitely some arguments. There's a lot of, <laughs> Those happen there's too. a lot of, there's a lot of things that, you know, looking back, you know, that's not times I'm going to look at, you know, at least I got to be around my dad as much yeah. as I did. You know, yeah. some people only see their parents, you know, every couple of weeks or once a right. month or once a year. But, you know, I still, he still comes in, you know, to do some things and I get to, to see him still because he's one of those that's just going to, he's just going to want to be there to have something to do. Yeah. Now was mom involved in the business or was she more stay at home and made sure you and your sister? No, no, she was, uh, yeah, she got us out. Yeah. No, she got us out to school, but you know, she was, she was that mom, you know, that uh, you got to have that person in order for that person to be successful and to grow that business, you got to have that strong force behind it, you know, and that's what she was, you know, she made sure that everything was taken care of at the house. And what were some of the lessons? Yeah. What were some of the lessons you think you picked up from mom? Probably, uh, Probably picked up a a lot of patience. Um, 
probably more probably more organizational skills on you know staying on top of things and um yeah, trying to you know trying to think of you know probably you know she was the one that helped us with our homework and did everything because my dad you know he worked so much so she you know, kept the was, house uh, together she was kept the kids yeah, on yeah, target she got it so perhaps, yeah yeah it, it was a, it was a it was a joint effort though and like i said i became what i am because of them did mom or dad go to college uh, my dad did, I believe, and you know, don't quote me on this. And when he, when he, <laughs> if he goes back and listens to this, he probably won't. Uh, he'll probably say I was wrong on this, but I believe he only did a semester, if not a little under a year of college. And and I and I personally never finished um, college. I still am. I still have like thirty hours left. <laughs> what made you decide to go? Because you know it's it's tough with a family business. That, and that was you know the, you probably yeah you were destined to take over at some point. So so what happened is, you know it was so I was working full time. I, I was doing sales at the time. I was about ninety four hours into to that degree, which was pretty much about right at a um, senior, and and what they. Um, my dad kept coming to me and he's like, you know, <laughs> you know, I know, we need, I know this. We need that, <laughs> I, you know, you're, you're doing, what are you really going to get out of that? It's, it's a degree and it's good. And, but you know what, your home's here and you know, it's kind of, I, I wasn't going to argue with them. <laughs> I mean, personally, I so mean, was it, was it kind of your decision to go to college? It doesn't sound like dad was a big supporter of that. I, I he, he, he really college wasn't, you know, I was fortunate to grow up in a family business. I have a lot of friends that grew up in family businesses that didn't have anything. Their parents have since sold off the businesses or closed the businesses. I was fortunate to to grow up in a family business doing something that I that I enjoyed it. I've been able to to grow it. I've embraced it. Um, it's been addicting for me, and I think that you know as we. You know, I went to college just, you know, it's kind of a bucket list. You know what? I can say <laughs> right, I did it. Right. I, I didn't, I didn't, fin- I didn't finish it. Yeah. I mean, the University of Houston's off, you know, they've came to me plenty of times and they'd be, they'll, you know, give me the rest of my thing to finish it just to get, <laughs> get that, that degree because degree. so they can claim them as your own. Helping them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They want me in that alumni, <laughs> do. you know, then I'm, then I'm technically, I'm technically not an alumni <laughs> right now, right. you know, That's just right. uh, your invested interest. I don't know how long those hours stay good. I hear 50 years, but I don't, well, I I don't know. I can see why they have there in your sights. Uh, but, you know, what, what did you study? What, what did you spend your time doing there? Did you declare a major? And if so, what did you get out of college? So I got my, I did get my two-year associate's degree. That was from a junior college. And then I, I went into hotel restaurant management. And the reason I chose hotel restaurant management was because of the fact that I wanted to know the others. I, I knew where I, I knew. Yeah, smart. I knew what I was going to do from a young age. I mean, I, I knew at eight years old, the produce business was for me. Right, right. I mean, I was, you know, I, I knew it. Uh, you know, people people could see me on the dock, you know, selling, you know, things to people on the dock at eight to 10 years old. I mean, you knew I was going to get into this industry. So I knew it. I just wanted to, I wanted to know what my, how to make my company better. So I wanted to know when I walk into an account, I want to know how to run their business. And did that help you? Did you did you think that you picked up enough there to understand the other side? I, I picked up a lot. I I picked up a lot because I I know I know you know I, I learned how their accounting systems work. I learned how <laughs> I learned kitchen layouts. I learned 
you know, all sorts of, because a lot of those are business classes, but you know, the problem, the problem with that degree, they say with the hotel restaurant management degree, sometimes a person doesn't look at a business, you know, a person with a business degree, if you're going to look at degrees could run a, you know, a hotel or a restaurant, but sometimes a hotel restaurant management person. Yeah. I mean, anybody can do anything if you give them the chance, but degree wise, they say, well, that, you know, that's not a business degree, you know, it's a specialized business degree. So what I just, you know, there was a lot of business classes that I could really devote into how I could become a better salesperson and do that. So you went back to Brothers. What was that first job when you left college and joined, rejoined? We actually never left, right? That's right. You were working the whole time, right? So did you just kind of continue to do the same thing or did you take over my other responsibility? Yeah, what, what I did, so basically through those, because I, I took a year off after high did school, you? Mm-hmm. you know, then I did that two-year that two year degree. And so by the time I got to that major, I was doing sales. And that's that's kind of what my dad was saying. He's like, you know, if I got you producing this kind of sales, <laughs> working half the time and going to school, I mean, it's costing me, <laughs> it's co- it's costing me him money by me Full not time. being there. Yeah full time and it's costing them the school money sure, too. So, sure. I mean, it was, so it was kind of a catch 22 and I, I did, there wasn't really a strong arming. It, there, I, he didn't really have to strong arm me to, yeah, you know, yeah. to get wasn't out of that. Too hard. Well, so did you come in uh, right away and were you managing people or, you know, what do you remember about the first time that started happening? No, we, uh, no, well, you know, we had a very small sales force at the time. So that, you know, we were probably when I went on full time or about it, probably t- I, I think we were between a probably 15, 18 million dollar company. And then we went out and hired some other salespeople, but we still didn't really have a sales manager, you know, and I was only 21, 22 years old at the time, which it's hard to get respect at that age. But so when we hired these salespeople, we, we basically, my uncle would kind of run the sales department and we'd all, we all worked together. You know, we were a team. We did things, to, we did things together. You know, a lot of my accounts, you know, were just what I considered house accounts. You know, I was, you know, a salary person. Um, the, um, I never really had to manage until I was probably, you know, as I moved more into that vice president role. And it, it's, I will tell you, it's, it was very tough in a family business when you come up in it to evolve from, working for people and then manage becoming a manager over people that are older than you, that you, that you, you, that you used to work people that trained me. It's very, it's a very, it's, I feel both sides of it. I mean, it's gotta be uncomfortable and you know how the, the other side of, man, this person's a lot younger. And I remember when this person was yeah, a kid sure. and now they're my boss. <laughs> he was in short it, pants it's uncomfortable on my side. <laughs> yeah. It's on, it's uncomfortable on my side too. It's a, you know, and I'm always, I'm always kind of considered like, you know, the, I'm very compassionate and nice. And I don't think I've honestly ever fired anybody in my life. I mean, I just, I just, I always just a must big second chance and getting people in the right place person. And so, you know, it takes, I mean, I still struggle at 38 years old, you know, managing older, older people. Cause I think there's still just a culture difference and yeah, it's, there's a, what, what were some of those, what were some of those early leadership lessons you had after you began managing those folks who, you know, as you said, knew you as a, as a young child and now you're kind of directing their careers. You know, the, the lessons that, that I, you know, I always was try to, I've always just been a big listener, you know, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. try to listen and evaluate situations. And I like to think I'm kind of a quick instinct person. I don't, 
I always believe the first instinct you have on something is kind of the one you roll with because if you think mm. about things too long that you're going to flip-flop on things. But the the lessons that I just kind of learned is in managing is just to kind of that everybody – put yourself down to where you're everybody's equal and you kind of make mm. the de- make the decisions from the employees employees Humility. whatever they put yeah put the put the i guess the term is i i try to just i let my managers manage yeah. and, and because yeah. i don't i want them to i only want to intervene on things if i don't let them manage and they're not going to make their own decisions i want i don't want to step on over boundaries and micromanage things i want them to be able to react for themselves and then if there's something that i don't quite think was a right decision or so then i'll step in but if i constantly step in then people aren't going to be able people i want people the managers to make mistakes so they can learn from them and then come to me and get advice and ask how i would you know handle that situation not that i would do the right things on this but i want them to experience for themselves how to do things as well and then that'll respect them you know at least to me too to where they'll know that hey you know what he's going to let me kind of manage myself he's not over my shoulder and and you're going to get more respect out of them too and i think it's going to make them and their team stronger now did you always work for dad or your uncle or did you have other bosses uh in the zoos i worked at a uh yeah so i my first job was at uh you know actually i well, I mean, I mowed yards as a kid, but at 12 years old, which was probably illegal child labor, I worked at a baseball at a baseball card shop. But I basically just got paid in baseball cards. I was always a big baseball card collector. Um, I love it. Then at uh, 16, I worked at a golf course. Um, you know, probably a four dollar an hour job or something. Do it, but we you know, we played a lot of golf on the clock. So it was that's actually where I lowered my handicap was from doing that. Then uh, I worked at a movie. Th- what have you what have you learned from some of those bosses outside of brothers outside of your dad and your uncle you know i was so young at the time on those things that i don't i don't really know what i took I, honestly i was such a such a young kid and you know looking back on it cuz i worked at a movie theater also i think what i think what i saw is in those jobs is kind of when i go to hire kind of ties when i go to hire people I try to hire people that are looking for careers and not jobs. And those two jobs that I was working based on the turnover that I saw just the time I was there and the way that, not that this was me, but the way that I saw other employees, the way they would respect these companies, they were just looking for the next job and moving on. And they didn't, they didn't respect the brand of the, of the company. And I, and I believe that, that the reason I've built such a strong team around me is because people open or they own this brand like it's their own. They're proud to have that that logo and on their shirt and represent that brand and that culture. And you know that they're here for their life. This is a career. This isn't a job. They're not just passing through. Well, Brent, you went through a number of different, you know, jobs and assignments at, at Brothers Produce to get to your corner office. But would you say that your leadership style has evolved over time? And if so, how? You know, I, I think that the way it's the way it's evolved is that it, it's I've always said that being in that corner office is the worst place for me to possibly be, because if I'm sitting if I'm sitting stuck in that corner, <laughs> then I'm not physically helping the company somewhere you know i need to i need to be out of that corner and 
and doing something and trying to, you know, really, you know, get my, um, whether it's more sales or evolving the company. So the way my style has evolved is I've tried to create more mid, mid, mid-level management and more managers. So everybody, you know, is kind of a, there's a really good flow chart structure in there and I let my managers manage. And then, like I said, if they need my opinion on something or if something, I'll always give my opinion. And if there's going to be a big decision on something or a direction we're going to do, I want everybody involved in that decision. So when we break that huddle, we're all on the same page. So if we decide we're going to run a running play to the right, for some reason, we don't run left. We, I want, I want everybody to know if and why this, you know, this play failed, you know, what could we have done to make that? Cause I'm not always going to call the, you know, nobody's perfect and nobody's ever going to be perfect, but we have to, these mistakes are made as a team and not as an individual. How do you decide when it's time to micromanage and when it's time to kind of stay out of the sandbox of the people that work for you? I kind of, you know, kind of looking down, just kind of looking to see if I start seeing things or if I start, yeah, I, I always, I talk to my employees every day. Yeah, I walk and a lot of management walking around. It sounds like I, huh? I, I walk around. I, I mean, I think undercover boss is a great thing. I mean, I, <laughs> right. I don't do it that way, but I walk around and, <laughs> uh, you know, I have different people I talk to, Hey, how's it going today? You know, anything good. And I talk to the employees, you know, I listen to them. It's, um, you know, I think I told you I've got involved in this city council race and that's kind of one of the stepping stones I've used with with having no with having no background in politics. I've used the way I my employees are as a way to represent the city. You know, you gotta listen to them in order in order to make something great, the people have to be happy and know they're being listened to and that their voices are being heard and you can't always please everybody, but we can at least try to accommodate the most we can. So that's what I try to do is I just try to walk around. And while I can't be everything to everyone and know, I, I, there's no way I'll ever know every aspect of my company that's going on. But I, but I know the certain areas and where to go to figure figure it out and, you know, make sure that every level of my company's, you know, at least satisfactory if, you know, not happy. And then if, like I said, then when you talk about the micromanaging, if there's something that's, uh, I feel maybe an issue, then I'll go to that manager and say, hey, you know, I think we got an issue here, you know, or let's try to focus here. What can we, let's, let's make a plan here, see what we can do. You've gone through tremendous growth. I mean, uh, it was amazing, $10, $12 million at the turn of the century to over $300 million today. And of course, with that, you've had a lot of people that have come into the organization. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about building a company culture, because I'm sure the culture has evolved as well during that period of time. Yeah, the culture, the culture change has been a very, um, you know, it's, that's been a challenge with me and my dad, because I had, as I built this, I always like to think of things like a sports team. But, uh, you know, you have, you can be strong at the top, but you have to have a strong farm system too and grow from within and propel yourself for years to come. And that's where I I feel that the culture is what's done that is we've been able to, I've got great veteran leadership at my company. I've got a really strong middle. I mean, I said, I'm 38 years old. I'm probably one of the older people one of the older managers now at my company <laughs> right Big and, reversal and that's there. because that's because i've been able to really build a ground a ground level from raising employees up through the ranks you know from 
the warehouse, like my head of food safety is just incredible. One of the best in the business started on my tomato line. I, I mean, then, you know, it's not under, you know, under 30 years old, it's just incredible in this industry. And, and, and with the culture, we just created this fun and it goes back to what I learned from my father, my uncle, the, the la you know, laughing, having a, having a good time smiling, you know, and when customers, you know, call in, you know, that they, 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 they hear laughing, they know it's not just calling a, you know, a boring, you know, 800 number and things. Um, but I think that, you know, big part, people have to be happy at work and one of that, in that culture that we've created up there is just, you know, we're going to have a good time. We're going to have fun. What, what do you think is unusual or unique about your company culture? I think it's that we have fun. Yeah. I think, yeah, honestly, it, I huh? think anytime I get, anytime, anytime that I get a, um, employee, it's so hard to hire people these days too, because of non-competes that I've run into so many times on, on things. Um, but anytime I hire, you know, people from different, companies they always say that what they love and they hear about brothers is that, pe that people have fun at work mm, that's the wow factor for you the wow and and I, and I and i love hearing it and you know it's it's not an uncommon occurrence you know for somebody to walk into my buying office and there's a you know a war of uh stress balls you know people throwing <laughs> stress balls at each other you know right you know and that that kind of stuff can can happen you know and you know we have fun you know customer uh company events um you know that people we i've just i've really created i always say my my father my uncle created a company and i evolved that into a brand i changed the i changed the i changed the logo up because we're not a we're not a produce company anymore. In my eyes, we're a service company because everything in this world is now about service. And that's what I've taught my, every new employee that comes in on everything is that I've taught them, we say yes. I mean, service, lettuce is lettuce, tomatoes are tomatoes, but service is what separates the, the great, the average from the great. And service we, we're always going to mess up it's in the statistics with the size we're three four to one biggest in this market so we're always going to mess up and we're, it's a statistic but how we fix that mistake is how we're going to retain that customer it doesn't matter if a salesperson leaves a salesperson isn't actually executing that order the company is so if from a company standpoint if we over service that customer they're going to stay with us how do you interview and hire brent what do you look for um, you know, the, you know, the only, I, I sit in on very few interviews unless it's one that really, I feel, I feel like, I feel like it's going to touch me, you know, like a sales, right. you know, so sales buying the first question. The first thing I really try to gauge on interview is back to that. Are they looking for a job or are they looking for a career? Yeah. You know, and we can't ask a lot of personal questions on that, you know, like, you know, about kids and family and all that, but. I usually know within the first five minutes if if somebody do they do they want to work are they just looking for a job or do they really want to work for Brothers Produce? You know, do they do they want to be a part of my team? How do you get at that? You know, again, if you only had five minutes to interview someone, what would you ask them, Brent, to try to get to that answer? I I start asking them. I start working their career back. You know, where where do you twelve months from now? What, what do you want to be doing here? Where, where do you see yourself, you know? And I usually don't talk about money right at the beginning because it, money 
it, money doesn't mean anything because sometimes, like I said, I see people, I see people take jobs with me for a lot less money and end up making more money over time because they weren't happy at the job they were making more money at and they, the growth path wasn't there. So I usually try to look through the crystal ball and see where they, where do they want to be? And I can usually determine right there, are they here for money? Are they here for quality of life? Are they here because they like the brand? What, what, it, and then I can figure out, you know, I, I, I believe in a deep bench. Um, me and, me and my dad, that's one of our biggest arguments we've always had is that uh, my, my payroll is too high. Well, you know what? I tell them that that one to 2% that my payroll is too high is also the, the reason our company's uh, you know, so much better on the service level in my eyes because I can lose somebody tomorrow to another company or leave to another career. And my bench is so deep that spot, that spot gets filled right in without any training. I always, I always believe you're going to get the best hires. You're not going to find the best hires when you're looking for them. I have produce companies and companies call me all the time. How did I how did I build? How did I build such a great team? And I said because I hired people. You got a deep bench. I hired people when I didn't, when I didn't need them. People that felt that fell to me because they needed a job, and I may have not necessarily had a job at the time, but I just put them away on that bench, and I knew that you know what, I'll get to them eventually, and they're going to be a great person for me. It's the whole concept of the farm team, right? You need to have. And those. I was just at, yeah. I just went to a Texas. <laughs> I, I just went to a Texas Roadhouse conference uh, last week in um, San Diego, and the number one thing that company it was it was funny because they preached the exact same message to their managing partners: service, 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 and a deep bench. Yep, yep, very key. Well, Brent, you've been very, very generous with your time. We just have one last question. And, you know, it's kind of when we ask all our CEOs and it's, you know, what career and life advice would you give to someone who maybe has their eyes on the corner office? And, and let's put it in the context of a family business. You know, many of the middle market companies in the U.S. are second, third, even fourth generation families. We've got a couple of them in our roster. And, you know, what do you think is important when you're, you know, coming in at that early age and maybe it's predestined, maybe it's not. But uh, you kind of knew it sounded like early on that you'd probably be uh, taking over that job. Did, did Uncle, by the way, have any kids that were in contention for that corner office? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's some competition. Well, he, so my <laughs> uncle's. Well, yeah. So so my uncle now. So we actually the company got so big that we've actually spread there. We have Austin and Dallas branches that that um they he actually we've divided it up now where he actually owns those two and he's got, he's got kids three kids yeah. and unfortunately unfortunately his uh son passed away in uh august that that was running all those um at 42 years old so they've got but they you know they've got some uh they're still they're doing very well too and um he's got two other daughters also and he like i said my uncle was a great influence on me and um but he's not involved now in the ownership of brothers not of houston he owns the houston. austin and dallas yeah because houston austin dallas are no, because we got so big and as family businesses grow we we split it all uh split it up. we no, split it all up it's, it's better to divide when things are it's better always to divide when things are good <laughs> you know yeah exactly well it sounds <laughs> yeah. like that's, a, that's a quite an accomplishment to, be able to <laughs> yeah. do that effectively always yeah. divide yeah yeah you always divide yeah but you know so back to answer your question so what would that advice? Yeah, yeah. Back I say, to you know, advice, what would those things be? You got to watch and observe the business you're, you know, that these people are going into to 
talk to the employees, listen to the employees, understand, understand the, the business, you know, and determine, you know, why, why those people, why do they work? Are they working there for a paycheck? Are they working there because they like the culture of your company? Are they, are they working there because they love the family? I mean, and then from there they can determine, you know, those are the people that are going to help them be a better leader is the people that have, that have been a part of that family business and have helped that brand grow to what it is. And those are the people they need to, to network with and take, take advice from. And a, a big key to, I believe my success of, I've always been a big networking person and I talk to people in all sorts of businesses on just, I learn from every industry there is on how to be a better, a better leader on things. And that's why I've really learned that my company is a service company. Cause when I talk to every company there is out there, everything is about service. I mean, I don't go, I love Chick-fil-A and I think it's a great company and I'm going to go there nine out of 10 times, but I don't know if they have the best fast food, you know, chicken place there may be places that are better but you know what their services blows you out of yeah there's 47 cars in the drive-thru and you're getting through <laughs> in, in two minutes where if you go to maybe a you know a Popeye's or somewhere else yeah they may have something you like on the menu better but they may have four cars that's going to take longer than those 47 <laughs> this world you know is service 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 is and um that's what you know so I recommend to these people that are getting into this you know area I'm in is Branch out yourself, get, you know, network, listen to, listen to the people that are around you in the company that, that you're a part of, because those are going to be the keys to help you really know what's going on in your, in your company and why people are there and how to make it a better, how to not, don't, you don't want to change the things that are good in a company. You know, there's those five things that every company has that are just untouchable that they do so well at. And then there's, you got, you got to determine what those things are and then not rock the core values that build the company and try to build on the future off the things you can do better at. Well, Brent and thank you so much. You've been very generous with your time and we very much appreciate you sharing with us your journey and your story into the corner office. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.